Your Partner in Success Radio is a free business podcast with host Denise Griffiths. It's all about great stories, conversation, and context to help you move your business and life forward with actionable tips and advice from her guest experts. To listen and subscribe, just find us on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you consume your podcasts. Welcome to your Partner in Success Radio. I'm your host, Denise Griffiths, and this podcast is ranked in the top 2% of the most popular podcasts globally, and it's all because of my incredible guests, no question about it. I am honored and blessed to share time with people who are at the top of their game, and they show up here willing to help you to get where you want to be in life and in business. Now, these are not people who hold back. Their goal is to share with us the essence of peak performance, and they do. Today's guest, Mac McWilliams, is living proof that one can pursue one's passion in life and do so while making a profit. I don't understand why you would create a business without a profit model, but apparently it's a thing. I don't understand it. He's worked with some of the top companies and entrepreneurs on the planet, such as Shark Tank's Kevin Harrington, Tony Robbins, Kim Walsh Phillips, Kim Walsh Phillips, Michael Hyatt. Lewis Howes, Brian Tracy, Jeff Walker, and so many more. And he joins me today to help you on your quest to turn your passion and message into a profitable and growing business. Now, he's been through the startup phase multiple times in the past two decades and has built a following from scratch. So today he lives out his passion for helping others find their purpose, their passion, their message, and the path to profitability. He's the host of the Affiliate Guy podcast, which is fascinating, by the way. Go take a listen. And it's your source for affiliate marketing news, tips, and strategies to take your online business to the next level. And let's see if we can get him in. We've been having some trouble. Matt, can you hear me? I can't now, Denise. I'm so sorry about that. We have every technical problem imaginable this morning. So uh, I think uh, I'm good. Can you hear me all right? No, you're you're choppy. You're breaking up really, really badly. <laughs> you just mentioned that things are going wrong. It's still going. It happens. It happens. Right. So, uh, are you on a cell phone or how are you calling? No, in? I'm on a direct uh, direct connection to the internet with really good speed right now. So I am not sure. Uh, try one thing real quick. Okay. And test something out, see maybe it's going through the wrong microphone. Sometimes that happens. Let's get this yeah. shit out here. Well, let's see if that works, and if it doesn't, we'll just get you rescheduled real quick. Yeah, does it sound like I'm like the wrong way? Is that what it's like? Or is it, uh, I'm going to try I'm going to call in. On Did you watch the movie the Top Gun Maverick where he was, Basically lying to the the admiral. That's what you sound like. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna call in uh, using uh, voice and see if that works. Okay. All right. Okay. So while we're waiting for him to get back in, and it may be this happens. You know, we do this over the internet, and sometimes I have a bad connection. He has a bad connection. Who knows? But it doesn't mean we're not going to try and if we can't make it work this time we're going to reschedule him but he's back so let's see all right how are we okay, now try a little bit better sing are me a good? song talk keep okay. going 
<laughs> well, hey Denise, it's uh, it's good to talk to you. I'm uh, I'm calling in from good old Fort Wayne, Indiana today, and hopefully uh, hopefully I sound better now. Um, yeah, you, you're not as <laughs> you don't sound like you're at the bottom of a water barrel, you know, bumping around. Awesome. So it's all good. Awesome. I so think it, what it was was the other the link one was taking me through uh, my computer microphone, which is quite oh. some distance from me. And now I'm I'm actually going through my microphone that is about six inches from my mouth. So that's good. That works. So anybody listening, these yeah. are the problems you have when you have a podcast and you just grin and bear it. Thank goodness you're here, though. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, sometimes this happens. Yeah. And I'll just say, okay, let's try it again maybe later in the day or another date. But fortunately, we got it sorted out. So it is good to hear, have you here. You are, you're a fascinating guy. So tell people a bit about you before <laughs> I've been reading up on you. I've been lurking. Uh, tell the audience yeah. a bit about yourself that I might have missed in that brief introduction. Yeah, you know, I mean, this is this is a perfect example. This is, uh, for the book, this is about the 130th interview I've done. Uh, overall, I've probably done six to 800, you know, podcast interviews in the last, you know, seven or eight years. I mean, that's, this is what I do, Right. Uh, I do, you know, I mean, I record so much content. And like I said, I have, I'm on episode 530-something of my own podcast, The Affiliate Guy. And yet, sometimes we have stuff like this happen. And so I would just, I would say, I, I, I say that as an encouragement to anybody who's starting out. And you think, well, I don't sound good, or I don't know what to say. Hey, you know what? Sometimes even, like, professionals, we have issues like this. And like you said, we just, you know what? Like, the, I think the difference is, you know, five years ago, I would have been like, oh, no, it's the end of the world, and I would have panicked, and instead I'm like, you oh, know, let's just try something else. And like yeah, you said, if it doesn't exactly. work, we'll do it another time. We'll you know, yesterday we had a huge windstorm here. We had a huge windstorm that was just jacking up my internet. And I had, I had to say to a client, I'm like, hey, we're going to just have to reschedule this call. I'm so sorry, guys. You know, I mean, like, nothing I can do about it. I can't help the fact that, you know, a cow just flew by my office window, <laughs> you know, and, and my internet yeah. sucks. So, and they were like, yeah, totally cool. Don't freak out. You know, don't think everything has to be perfect. So, you know, a little bit about me. I've been, I've been in the online marketing game now. Uh, this actually, uh, so this month is the celebration of my 21st year in online marketing. I am officially old. Um, and, uh, you know, I've been in it for a long time. I got into it way back in the early days when it was kind of like the wild, wild west. And then, you know, over the past 21 years, uh, I've worked with over 300,000 entrepreneurs. I've worked with amazing people, like people that you've heard of, you know, Tony Robbins, Jeff Walker, um, <clears throat> Lewis Howes, Michael Hyatt, you know, Zig Ziglar's company, you know, Shark Tank's Kevin Harrington. I mean, you name them. I've, I've worked with them. I've worked with my dream clients, people that, you know, seven, eight years ago when my wife asked me, who are your dream clients? I listed four of them and said, there's no way I'm ever going to work with any of those people. And today we've worked with three of them, you know, just one more to go. Um, But I've also worked with tons of, you know, beginner entrepreneurs, uh, you know, aspiring YouTubers and podcasters and people, you know, entrepreneurs and people who just, you know, they, they know there's something more for them and they want to get into the online business world. And uh, now that was the whole reason why I wrote this book, because it doesn't really have to do, this book doesn't necessarily have to do with what I do every day, running big affiliate launches for, you know, big companies and, you know, successful entrepreneurs. It has to do with the people that are, that are where I was, you know, 21, you know, 20, 21 years ago. And, um, you know, the journey that I've taken and how we've, we've gotten to this point uh, how do you start from nothing and develop? Um, 
that's a little bit about me, you know, in general. Uh, like I said, I live in Fort Wayne, Indiana, um, which is – and tell people, you know, I say I'm from Fort Wayne, Indiana, and they're like, yeah, I drove through there once, <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, and I remind them, you know, that 70-some-odd years ago we had the Pistons in the NBA. You know, that's, that's our claim to fame. Um, also, you know, there was a time when Fort Wayne was the third most likely city in the United States to be hit by a nuclear attack, you know, behind Washington, D.C. and New York City. So we also had that going for us because this is where apparently they uh, created some of the parts that were, you know, like the most critical parts to the U.S. military infrastructure or something. So um, but I love it here. You know, I love the fact that I'm not one of those people. I'm not super flashy. I'm not one of those people who's going to take a picture in front of my Maserati because, for one, I don't have one. And two, even if I did, I wouldn't show tell you that I had one. You know, I would just use it for fun. So I'm not one of those people. I'm just a pretty average dude who's kind of found a system that works. And uh, now I like teaching, you know, teaching it to people. I love that. Well, you're talking about the weather yesterday. I had to shut down. It was, I mean, it got so bad here. Of course, I, where I live, we have, I'm in the deep south. I'm not too far from the Gulf of Mexico. We live with hurricanes okay. six months out of the year. But I will tell people yeah. our weather is basically mud season all year long. It's always raining or it's yeah. wet. But yesterday it was so bad, and I shut it down just in time, and I went out to my living room. And I was looking at my, my back of my house is all windows, which I love. And all of a sudden this flash, I mean this huge crack of pink and blue lightning hit the house right behind me. I mean literally right behind me. I Look, I levitated. My dog levitated. We all just went, oh, my God. <laughs> and look, yeah. my, trees have, I, I've I've, that my tree before, has been yeah. hit by lightning, so I kept thinking, man, don't, don't, don't hit my pecan trees. Don't hit. So it hit the house behind me. So I guess I got what I asked for. <laughs> Sorry, neighbors. That's, yeah. That's one of my favorite areas. We vacation down there a lot, like Gulf Shores, uh, Anna Maria Island, you know, in Florida. Uh, the Gulf is, is just one of my favorite places because it's, like you get all the benefits of the Atlantic side, but none of the, you know, you just, the waves aren't as intense. <laughs> you know? Right. And so I, I love that area. Love it a lot. And the food is good where I live and the food is just, Oh my, oh my God. Gosh. Good. Yeah. yeah. yeah <laughs> you know what I'm talking started about? On Louisiana. Um, oh, no. When I was Dumbo. in college, I played, uh, I played golf at the university of Tennessee and um, one of my favorite tournament every year, we'd go down to LSU's tournament and, and good old Baton Rouge and we would, I mean, I would literally go down there and gain like four pounds in five days. Um, oh, yeah. You know, yeah. the the jambalaya, the frog legs, the, just the everything. I would, I would, yeah. the crab, oh my gosh, I would gain so much weight in Louisiana. If I lived there permanently, I'd weigh 7,000 pounds. No joke. I mean, you have I would, to be careful. I'd be clinically dead by this point. I can't, I couldn't yeah. do it. <laughs> it's so you good. You have to be careful, really. And I love to cook, and I make a heck of a good gumbo. In fact, I'm making some now for Mardi Gras, but honestly, you you have to be careful. You have to just really enjoy it, but with it, like anything else, moderation, moderation. Yep. Okay, so I wanted, now that we've discovered where we're, where we both are and what we're passionate about, and thank you for that, you... And speaking of passion, you think the importance of creating a business that you're both passionate about and that makes a profit is important. And, and I think I referenced this, this at the top of the show. I've seen people who will you know, create hobbies and they're going to call it a business. It's not because it's not making money. 
I don't look. I'm all for hobbies. I do a lot of them. Yeah. But if your business isn't making a profit, why are you in business? I don't understand that. That and it happens a lot. I see it a lot. Yeah, I mean it's so true. Like have a hobby. You know, I, I have no intention of of monetizing. You know, the fact that I love playing soccer with my kids. You know, that to me that's a hobby. Um, I, I don't try to monetize. Like I'm not, I'm not going to start a sports blog or a sports podcast. I love, you know, watching my favorite college football teams. I love, you know, watching college basketball. I don't want to monetize that. Those are strictly hobbies. Like there's even some things that I'm pretty good at and I enjoy doing that I'm not going to monetize because I don't want to. But if you say I have a business, you know, you say I have a business, I am in business, I'm a blogger, I'm a podcaster, whatever, and you're not making money, that's not a business, that's just an expensive hobby because, you know, none of my other hobbies, I mean, yeah, you could argue like we spend 80 bucks a year so I can watch soccer. You know, I, I have my favorite MLS team, and the only way to do that is through the, the Apple, you know, the MLS package on Apple. And you could argue, wow, I spend 80 whole dollars a year, you know, what is that, six bucks a month, 650 a month to, to watch soccer. But for a blog, for a podcast, you know, some people you're spending three, four, five hundred dollars a month, more or more. If you're not bringing in a profit, eventually you're going to burn out. And so that's what we you see. Know, like the so whole glad. premise of this book was because. Oh, so, go ahead. Let me interrupt really quickly because what you said is something so important, and I'm actually building a product around that because I see a lot of people podcasting, and they're making huge mistakes. Huge, just in some some cases silly mistakes one being that you've had you know 10 whole podcasts you know they're out there in the wild now and you're looking for a sponsor or you wanting people to pay to come onto your your show listen my uh, my podcast is a hobby it's not a hobby it's it's a way I have to correct myself it's not a hobby i don't make any money out of it i will make money out of my books and my products and my coaching but the podcast itself is not so much a hobby as it's a way for me to meet people like you all over the world. I've been doing this for 15 years. I was a very early adopter. It's very important for me to connect with people like you who I would not normally meet in my local Walmart, right? So it's a marketing thing for me, but it's not monetized. And so many podcasts, I I need to monetize it. Go ahead. Yeah, it's, it's what I would call indirect monetization. You know, it's a part of your monetization strategy. You know, like you said, uh, it leads to coaching clients. It leads to consulting, you know, clients. it leads to course sales or, right. or book sales. It, it even leads, you know, like from this, you know, we'll, we'll talk about like, uh, I'll go ahead and I'll even just go ahead and say it. Guys, best place to get the book, passionsintoprofitsbook.com forward slash Denise. Newsflash, that's an affiliate link for Denise. So if you go there, and go through that, uh, Denise might make some money. And so, yeah, there's a way, you know, that indirect monetization. Um, I mean, it's the same with my podcast, like my podcast in and of itself. I don't have, like, if I record an episode, I can't say this episode made me $4,312, but I record four episodes a month. And at the end of the month, we do a little bit of tracking and we can say, okay, we know directly that $17,400 came from the podcast, but we also sold a bunch of other stuff. And every time I talk to a client, they seem to mention that they first heard me on the podcast 
or they love the podcast, or I'll share a story with a client, you know, as an illustration of something I'm trying to, you know, teach them. And I go, yeah, I remember when you talked about that last year on the podcast. So I can't quantify him saying, I heard that on your podcast, but that clearly says to me, the podcast played a role in gaining this $25,000 a year client or the podcast contributed to this guy paying $5,000 a month for, you know, for coaching. Like it, how much did it play? I don't know. Was it a hundred percent or 10%? There's no way for me to quantify that. So it, it is indirect in that, like, we can't just look at it and go, Oh, the podcast made us $1.3 million last year. I have, I truth be told, I don't know how much it made us. I have a range, you know, it's, and it's a pretty big range. It made us somewhere between 200,000 and $2 million. Like that's my range, you know, I'm confident in that. Um, yeah. So that, you know, that's a perfect illustration of, of indirect, but you know, really Denise, and I know you see this, like you just said it, like you see this, we saw, I mean, I've worked with over 300,000 entrepreneurs and we kept seeing the same thing over and over and over again. And then finally it was like, Oh my gosh, light bulb, right? You had, Person A, entrepreneur one, they are, they are passionate about what they're doing, but they're not making any money. You know, they are waking up every morning. They are loving what they're doing. This is me about 11, 12 years ago. I was blogging every day. I was changing lives. I had people, Denise, I was in the personal growth niche. I had people, you know, emailing me, mentioning me on social media going, Matt, you, you know, you changed my life. You saved my marriage. You, I had one guy even say like he read a blog post of mine and, or uh, listened to a podcast of mine. And he was thinking about committing suicide and he didn't, you know, like that's a big impact on the world. Here's the problem. I was making no money. I eventually would give up on that because I could not continue to do that. My family, for some weird reason, my family likes things like food and shelter and clothing. I don't know. They're just weirdos. And so, you know, I can't go to the mortgage company and be like, Hey, my cats are the same way. Like, can you feed me now? No, I'm busy. (laughs) Yeah. I can't go to the mortgage company and say, hey, look, look at all these positive social media comments and emails. I saved someone's life. Does that count as form of payment? It doesn't. So you have to be able to make money. The flip side, the other types of entrepreneurs we were working with, Denise, were basically saying, I'm making great money. You know, they're six figures, seven figures, whatever's great money to you. That's what they were making. But they were miserable. They were not passionate about what they're doing. They were not waking up every day with purpose and with a mission. And I went, okay, why does it have to be that way? Why can't we have both? So if you look at the title of the book, Turn Your Passions into Profits, this is not, how to, this is not just how to build a profitable business. This is not just how to build a business you're passionate about. It's how do we have the best of both worlds? Because what I found, sadly, is less than 5% of entrepreneurs experience that. You know, less than 5% experience that. My goal is to increase that percentage. And, and so, you know, I get asked, like, why in the heck did you write this book? Like, what's the deal? Like, you know, (laughs) you have coaching, you have courses. The reality is I can only coach, you know, 25 to 40 people a year on the high end. And most people can't afford what we charge. You know, that's just the reality. So uh, I, I, you know, most people can afford the book. It's a pretty easy purchase. It's like buying a pack of gum in the checkout line, you know, at the store. Um, so for most people, it's, it's relatively inexpensive way to get access to my best thinking, uh, that's helped, you know, a lot of people to be able to marry both the passions and the profits. I like what you just said, your best thinking. That makes sense. And listen, I, in my office, I'm looking at three bookcases and there's hundreds, hundreds of books in here. Every single book in this Mm. room came from you guys, my author, podcast guests, every single one. And I've read them, I've reviewed them, 
some are they've gotten very fat because they have so many sticky notes in them. I have one I section, that. and I call this my entrepreneurial library, and it is. And some of these books, I mean, I'm grabbing them all the time. It doesn't matter how often I've read them. And they're in a, a special shelf because I know I'm going to go to them over and over and over again. Everybody needs an entrepreneurial library. Write that down. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking at mine right now. <laughs> I mean, I've got uh, – that was one of the cool things is when we went through this process, I had a dream publisher in mind. Now, I wasn't picky. You know, I wanted to make sure I worked with the right publisher on this. But if you look at my shelf, about a quarter of all the books are published by Ben Bella. You know, Ben Bella is, the, is in my opinion, it's the entrepreneur's publisher. You know, I mean, guys like Gino Wickman and David Finkel. I mean, I'm looking at my, my bookshelf right now. These, these are people who completely changed my life and changed my business. Uh, I mean, Gino's stuff is, the, is how we operate our business. And so uh, to be able to work with, you know, that company uh, publishing this book was it was a dream come true. And, you know, yeah, that, that bookshelf there, I mean, that's a representation. Like so many of these books have had such a dramatic impact on my business at different stages. You know, there's books that I still have. I, quite frankly, I don't know why I have them because uh, I'm never going to go back and look at them. But there are, there are books that were so – they were foundational. They're books I read 10 to 15 years ago. They were perfect for where I was in the journey back then you know, building a small company, basically just me and a VA, you know, what I needed to know back then. But then as the company has progressed and I've grown personally and we've, you know, now we've got a team of, I don't even remember how many people, but we've got, you know, a nice big team now. My needs have changed. So the books I read, of course, are changing to meet my times. And, you know, this book is, uh, you know, it's part of that entrepreneurial library. I wrote it for beginners, but if we have time, I'll share some stories. There's some people that were, you know, running seven figure businesses that, you know, I gave a copy to because they're a friend and they read parts of it and it completely rocked their world, you know, in a, in a positive way. So, uh, yeah, you've got to have that library. And, uh, you know, I just think that books are, you know, my friend Chandler Bolt says, you know, books change lives. And that's, I know that's what books have done for me and, uh, want to do that for some others. Good for you. And here's here's my trick with, with books. You know, the author will send me a book, and I read it, and I I don't really like to mark up books. There's just – I don't like to, to mess them up. So sticky notes it is. But I will often buy another paperback of it so I can mark that one up, and then I will also get the Kindle version because when when you have a Kindle version, you can, you know, make copies, you can – there's so much that you can do with it. And I will often say, okay, I'm going to completely take this section of it and I send it to myself in an email. So I don't forget mm-hmm. it. You know, it's there. It's it's that important. So there's just so many ways to read business books and then go back to them as you need them. So good for you. Yeah. I'm an auditory learner. So I do, uh, what I do personally is I do the audio book. So I buy both. I get the audio book and the uh, the physical book. If I'm if I'm a little unsure, sometimes I'll just spare myself getting the physical book because I know what'll happen. I'll never crack it open. Um, so I'll listen to the first hour and then go buy the you know the physical book if I think it's going to help me. But I do both, and so I'll be I'll be listening while I'm you know say you know doing the dishes or whatever or you know just working out. I'll listen and I'll I'll just you know highlight stuff 
in the audiobook. Uh, I use I use Audible for all of that, and I just click on Add Note. Me too. And so then I know, okay, it's at the you know chapter three is a twenty one minute chapter. Uh, this is a you know it's at the seven minute mark, so it's about a third of the way through chapter three. I'll listen. I'll go find that section in the book. If there's any illustrations, you know things like that, and then I'll highlight that section. And then at the end, when I finished listening and going through and highlighting, I actually go back and write down my thoughts. I don't quote exact parts of the book. The point is not for me to memorize, you know, Susan, I'm not taking a test, right? Um, The point is for me to internalize those things. So I basically get three repetitions. I get the hearing, which is the most important for me because I'm an auditory learner. Um, I still get the visual and the reading, but then I'm documenting it. And I mean, I, I, we just had a team meeting yesterday. We're going to implement some stuff from a book I just read. And I, I kept, I had my notes right by me and I never even had to look at them except for one time um, because I had internalized the principles and the, some of the different things from the book so well that I was able just to pretty much riff on them, you know, with our, with our leadership team and, and uh, you know, now we're going to implement them. So that's how I, I mean, if you're, if you're not an auditory, auditory learner, that doesn't apply to you. But if you are, that's what's worked really well for me with business books. It works well for me as well. I'm not a visual. Yeah, I don't give me an, a a video. I'm not going to watch it. I don't watch TV. Yeah. I really don't yeah. like movies. I'm just not going to be that person. But if you give me a bullet point document, or if you give me books or you know audio books, I'm good to go. I I'm, I have to process very much the same as you do, and I do process it. But, you know, books, to me, they're important. I've, I've come across a lot of people, oh, I just don't like to read. <gasps> Are you okay? Did your mama drop you on your head? What happened? <laughs> you know, what do you mean you don't like to read? That's just not normal. <laughs> I'll read anything, including the back of a cereal box, and I don't eat cereal. <laughs> so there you go. Yeah, I, I was the same way growing up. <laughs> yeah. I started reading when I was three. Yeah, I didn't know what I was reading, and I was reading way above any level that I should. You know, I was trying to spell out words, and I remember my mother having to go talk to my kindergarten teacher, who said, "Denise says she can read." And my mom said, "Well, she can." I was five then. I'd been reading for a while, and I remember this. And you know, she said, "Well, how does she know how to read?" She was really upset with my mother, and my mother just looked at her and said, "Well, we didn't tell her she couldn't." Right? So I've been reading all of my life. But one of the things that I wanted to ask you is, in in the notes that I have from our pre-interview, we talked about does the world need another messenger, a teacher, a thought leader? So go, because I know you've got a lot to share there. Well, yeah. I mean, it does. Uh, and it's you. You know, whoever's listening, it, it's you. Um, if you have a message... You know, if, if you if you think you have a message, then the world needs your message. You know, the, the entire premise of the book hinges on that belief. The world needs your message. The world needs your message, but we are not going to wait passively. We're not going to wait patiently for it. Um, we need your message, but we're going to move on without it. So what that means is we're going to get that information from somebody else. Why shouldn't it be you? And so a lot of times what we think is, you know, we think, okay, well, there's somebody else out there doing the same thing as me. There's somebody else out there teaching the same thing that I want to teach. There's somebody out there with the same message that I have. Okay, but they're not like you. 
They don't have the same life experience as you. They're not the same gender as you. They're not the same age as you. They don't have the same, you know, they've got kids and you don't, or you've got kids and they don't. They, you know, they, they come from this perspective. They're, you know, they come from the perspective of maybe they, you know, they did it as a married, you know, as a married single, you know, uh, married person with no kids and you did it as a single mom with three kids. That's a completely different life experience and perspective that you're going to be sharing essentially the same message. And so there's an example in the book, this lady I talked to a couple of years ago, and it's so fun because I don't, I don't get to share the end of the story in the book because, you know, the I finished the manuscript over a year ago and, you know, we had to sign off on it probably about, you know, 10 months ago. So in the about four months after I signed off on the manuscript, I got to hear the rest of the story, which I, you know, I can share and it's pretty cool. I, I write about this lady in the book where, you know, I was on a call with her. She was interviewing for our mastermind. And the final step of the, in the interview process is that I talk to you personally for about 15 minutes and just make sure you're going to be a good fit for the mastermind. And I said, you know, you are a good fit. And she's like, I agree. I can't wait to join. She said, I only have one question though. I was like, what is it? She's like, why me? You know, I, I just don't feel like I'm qualified to do this. I'm like, well, why would you say that? And to give you some perspective, she has two autistic children and she wants to help parents of autistic children. She's like, Matt, I don't have the letters after my name. I don't have the degrees. I didn't, I, I, I dropped out of community college. You know, I don't know all the fancy stuff. I haven't written a book. I don't know, you know, that I don't know the difference between an amygdala and a cerebellum, you know, and I, I don't know all this stuff. I was like, but you told me that you have two autistic children. She said, yeah. And I said, and you seem to have raised them pretty well. You know, one is, one is doing great academically. The others play sports. They have friends. They, they have all the things that would almost make you go, are they really autistic? And they really are. But she's helped them so much to overcome some of those things. And, and, and so I asked her this weird question. You know, and it was one of those questions, like as soon as it came out of my mouth, I was like, oh, why did I actually say that? But she didn't get mad at me when I asked. It went really well. And, and I, I was like, have you ever thought about killing your children? She said, every single day. And I don't mean she's like dreaming up ways to drown her children or drive off of a cliff. Please don't misunderstand me. But, you know, sometimes as parents, we just get like autistic or not. We just get frustrated. And it's like, oh, my gosh, I can't take it anymore. And, and, I, and I said, but you haven't. Matter of fact, like I just said, you've raised them very successfully and they're doing great. Well, yeah. I said, so talk about that. Talk about how you've overcome the obstacles in your life. Talk about your challenges as a parent of two autistic children. Talk about the things that you're able to do that most parents can only dream of because no one told them how. Who cares what the science is? Who cares what the medications are? Who cares about all that, whether you not, you've got degrees or a white coat or you know, a DR period in front of your name or a PhD behind it? Nobody cares about that crap. They care about your experience. And you're like, they need hope. Sometimes they don't need information. They need inspiration. I said, so talk about that. And she did. And the part that's not in the book, because again, we finished the manuscript before she ever told me this fast forward about nine, 10 months later. Um, she started a platform from scratch. She had over 10,000 YouTube subscribers. She had a video that had just come out. She had an email list of over 5,000 people. She was a profitable business. She was actually bringing in close to what she brought in uh, full-time. Um, so she had left her full-time job and was doing this platform full-time. And she had a video. It was one that I kind of gave her the seed of an idea on in our mastermind. 
about how she travels with autistic children. And I didn't know this until she told me, but for, for parents of autistic children, traveling sometimes can be a nightmare because you're taking a kid who's used to routine and you're taking him out of a routine. You're waking him up early. You're putting him on a metal tube that's going to go 38,000 feet up in the air where they're surrounded by a bunch of strangers who are crammed in the same metal tube. Like I don't have autism and I freak out getting on a plane because I don't want to be that close to that many strangers. And so this is what you're doing to this kid. So they start freaking out. And now the parents freaking out because they're afraid the kid's going to freak out. And it creates this endless loop and cycle of stress. And it's a nightmare for parents sometimes. And she did a video about how she travels with autistic children. I'll never forget this lady put a comment below the video, had over a quarter million views. And this lady put a comment and said, I have a seven year, I think it was a seven year old autistic child. We haven't left our county in four years. We haven't gone on vacation in four years because I've been terrified. I just watched your video and I'm implementing what you put or what you shared in the video. I took a leap of faith and I just booked a flight to Hawaii for our family. Wow. Thing is, Matt, the world didn't need are you another comfortable? doctor. Exactly. Yeah, are you ahead. comfortable with sharing her name? Because I think people want to know who she is I'm, and how to find her. I, I know. I I have asked her repeatedly. Uh, she she does not want kind of the – she wants to kind of keep her stuff to the autistic community. Um, gotcha. Yeah. And I've, I've asked her, like, it's what she – like, people in our community know exactly who I'm talking about because they're in the community with her. You know, but yeah, um, I mean, it was such an amazing story. Like my point is the world didn't need another, you know, doctor. They didn't need another study done by Columbia University. I'm not dismissing those studies. Okay. Please don't misunderstand me. There is a place. My point is there is a place for the Harvard doctors and there is a place for the parent who's living everyday life with that child. And that's true of any, any niche, like, the world does this world need another fitness expert? Does the world need another person to teach you how to lose weight? I mean, honestly, is there not enough information out there right now? But I write about it in the book, my friend Alan Thomas. How many people, their point of view is, I was 58 years old, weighed 304 pounds, and nine months later, I weighed 175. How many people have that story so that when their customers come to them, they go, Alan, the reason I signed up for you, the reason I got coaching with you is because you get it. I'm 54 years old. I've been overweight my whole life. Alan had been overweight since he was a teenager. Like they get it. And he gets it. They don't need some celebrity trainer who's been fit since the age of 13, who runs a marathon every week, getting on going, you can do it. And here's how, here's the system. They needed Alan. That's who they need. They need Alan. They need somebody that they can relate to. And so, yes, the world needs your message, even if it's, you know, even if you're teaching the same concepts and the same principles, sometimes, like I said, they just need to hear, maybe it's just because everybody else is a man and you're a woman. Maybe it's because everybody else is in their thirties and you're a retiree. You know, I I have another student that Susan and Chris Beasley, they're over in the UK and they, they, nothing they teach is revolutionary. The only difference is they're in their mid, maybe, I don't know. I shouldn't say late 60s. I think they're just, uh, y'all are in your mid, if Chris and Susan, if you're listening, you're in your mid 60s, regardless of what your actual age is. Um, but they're in their mid 60s. And so they're retired from their full-time profession. And so they built this side business as an encore career. That's a different perspective than me teaching you how to do this as a 43-year-old. It's very different. So yes, the world needs your message. It needs your perspective on things. 
And what I'm hearing from you, and I'm scribbling as you're talking, is that, listen, a lot of us don't start because we have imposter syndrome. We just do. It's it's a thing. We all have it at one day or another or sometimes multiple times during the day. But what I'm really hearing from you is that we each have our own unique voice, and we do need to share it. And I talk about this all the time on this podcast. And anybody who will listen to me, you have your own unique way of discussing things, of how people hear you. Get out there and share it. What are you What are mm-hmm. you afraid of? What are you waiting on? Yep. I mean, exactly. That, that's exactly the whole, I mean, the whole beginning of the book is all about that. You know, the mind, and I, I, I got a text the other day. I'm going to see if I can find this, but um, I got a text the other day from somebody because we, my, um, my number's in the book. So, I mean, you can, you know, we invite people to text. I'm going to see if I can find this one because it was, um, it's just so thinking, oh yeah. So, hello, I just got your book, Turn Your Passions into Profits. Yesterday, I read the first chapter. I created my avatar and then became unsure whether I could help them or not. It's exactly what you just talked about, Denise, imposter syndrome. Oh, yeah, this is who I want to help, but am I the person to help them? I wasn't sure whether I was qualified, then in all caps, but I read chapter two. Not going to lie, I cried. It gives me hope. It really does. I will be back at the end of the book to tell you how this goes. And then she goes on and says some other stuff as well. But I'm like, okay, the, the point to that, the sharing that is like, yeah, that, that she knew who her avatar is. She's like, I want to help. I, she didn't say in this text, but like, I want to help, you know, autistic parents of you know, autistic children, or I want to help people who, you know, overworked accountants. I think about Adam lean, you know, one of our clients. And I'll never forget when, uh, so I talked about this in, in uh, step, I'm pretty sure uh, he has six. been on this podcast, Adam Lean. Oh, cool. That's I'm pretty awesome. sure. I'll have um, to check it. Yeah. And I talked, you know, in step six, I talked about being becoming a champion for their cause, right? Becoming a hero. You know, we all want a champion to fight for us. Every story needs a hero. And I was like, you know, I'm telling him this. And he's like, dude, how, how I help accountants. How is that heroic? And I said, why don't you ask their children? Because of the work that you do, how you help them, mommy or daddy spends 10 more hours a week with them. Mommy or daddy doesn't miss their games anymore during the busy tax season. I said, why don't you ask, you know, like ask the accountant. He hasn't missed a family meal in the last, you know, three months. Ask his wife who gets to go on a weekly date night with them now. Ask those people and tell me if you helping accountants is heroic or not. You know, I said, Adam, you told me that you help your average client cut 10 hours a week from their schedule. How can that, how is that not heroic? And so again, it's that imposter syndrome. Like we not even do, like he knew he could help them. He had proven results. He knew he was helping them cut 10 hours. He just didn't realize how big that was. So we think, even if we don't think we're an imposter, we think, ah, it really doesn't matter. You know, oh, I teach people affiliate marketing, right? Like whoop-de-doo, right, Denise? Big deal. How, how on the earth, you know, so-and-so is out there saving people from killing themselves. So-and-so is out there helping people get out of poverty. And so-and-so is out there helping people, you know, be better parents. Or, or I can compare myself to Alan, who has probably helped men and women lose like a million pounds at this point and go, wow, that, that's changing the world. I'm just teaching people affiliate marketing. But do you know who taught Alan affiliate marketing? 
about him to stay in business when he almost went out of business five years ago? I did. And that's when I like, and I had this, I remember one night, Denise, I was, I was going down the stairs and, uh, and I, I remember we had this like amazing, peaceful bedtime. I don't know, you know, as a parent, like sometimes the bed, we have two kids. And so sometimes bedtime is them yelling at each other, fighting and taking forever to brush their teeth. And it takes, you know, a million years and it's stressful and it's just, you know, it's chaotic. This night, it was perfect. We, every, it, was, it didn't take very long, but it didn't feel rushed. The kids did what they were told. They got along. They were, loving, they were actually hugging each other. We said goodnight. They gave me the best hugs ever. And I was like, man, this is how life should be. And I got halfway down the stairs and this thought hit me. Because you see, about three weeks before, I had a friend of mine, Dana Abraham, that had had a launch coming up. She's in the parenting niche and she had a course called Calm the Chaos, which does exactly what it sounds like it does, calms the chaos in the, the home. And uh, having issues, and I said, Dana, do you need help with your affiliate program? Like, I, I can't take you on as a client, but I can just help you as a friend, you know, an hour a day. Like, I can spend an hour a day. She said, please, could you? All I did in those three weeks, well, four weeks if you include the actual launch, all I did was just coach her affiliates. I spent an hour a day helping her affiliates. She went from a $125,000 launch to over a $300,000 launch. I helped one affiliate who had previously, the last launch had made zero sales, make 17 sales. We helped one who had a goal of five, make over 40. Their top affiliate went from 30 to over 75. And collectively, I helped a bunch of people. And I remember at the end of that launch going, wow, I, 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 that was awesome because I was focused on the entrepreneurs. I was focused on the fact that Dana just made an extra $200,000. I was focused on the fact that I just helped a bunch of those affiliates make more in a couple of weeks than they normally make in a year in their business. And how cool is that? Because I have a heart for entrepreneurs and I love entrepreneurs. So I helped a bunch of entrepreneurs. Yay me, right? But as I was standing on those stairs that night after that amazing peaceful bedtime, this weird thought hit me and I said, oh my gosh, there are hundreds of other families tonight having this same experience because I taught a bunch of people affiliate marketing because that affiliate who went from zero to 17 sales, that's 17 families whose lives were changed. The one who went from 30 to 75, that's 45 families whose lives were changed. I didn't change their lives. I didn't teach them parenting. I can't teach them parenting. I didn't teach them how to quit smoking or how to, you know, get, find their purpose in life. All I did was teach some affiliates how to become better affiliates, which in turn allowed them to help a bunch of families become better families and parents become better parents. And this, this thought hit me that this is, you know, my podcast is called the affiliate guy. And the reason it's called the affiliate guy is for years when people told me, Matt, you need to teach this stuff. You need to teach people how to run affiliate programs and how to be affiliates because, you know, I'd been four time affiliate manager of the year and, I was well known in the industry and they were like, you got to teach this stuff. And I was like, I don't want to be the affiliate guy. I, I don't want to be, the, I want to be, I want to do so much more. I don't want to be the affiliate guy. What a low, what a low aspiration to set. Like, yay, I'm known as the affiliate guy. whoop de doo So when I was down those stairs that night, I made a commitment. The reason why my podcast is called the affiliate guy has nothing to do with branding. I wish I could say I was smart. I was not smart enough to call my, podcast the affiliate guy because i knew that years later that's how people would introduce me and people would reach out to me and say you're, you're the affiliate guy here's a lot of money go go do your thing you know um i named it that as a constant reminder of that experience the stairs when i said you know what for the first time in my life i said you know what i am the affiliate guy and that's how i'm gonna 
directly or indirectly make an impact on the world. How did you get started becoming the affiliate guy? It's I'm with you. I don't really understand. I don't understand it much, and I should, because I like. Well, mm. I kind of do. I mean, I often will will take your story, this podcast, your book, and I share the heck out of them. But I never really sign up as an affiliate, and I probably am making a mistake there. So we can talk about that a bit. But how did you go from what What was your business model? How did you become an affiliate guy? I mean, it's it's something that I guess you really, really have to know what you're doing. How did you get there? Yeah. Uh, necessity. Memorial Day weekend, 2005, 18 years ago. Um, company was about to go broke. You know, I had a, a company I started with two friends of mine and basically couldn't make payroll in two weeks. And we were, we were having the, I remember it was a Saturday morning before Memorial Day, 2005. We basically had one of those meetings where, uh, it was the equivalent of trying to buy a house by going through your couch for change. You know, we're like, how are we going to, you know, how are we going to make $40,000 in the next two weeks? And we're like, well, if we do this thing, it'll make us 200 and this thing will make us 300. And we're like, wow, <laughs> this is pathetic. And so we're trying to figure this out. And I was like, well, what about like, I've heard of these people called affiliates. And I remember like two business partners looking at me like, what, like radio station affiliates. Like, what, what do you mean? I'm like, no, they're like people who promote us, but we don't pay them until they make a, a sale. Like, okay. It's not like we talked about it for about 45 minutes and it sounded great. And then the CEO looks at me and goes, well, how do we find the affiliates and, and how do we do this? I'm like, I don't know, but I'm going to figure it out. And there was no affiliate guy back then. You know, there was no, um, there was no, there was like one blog post in a forum about affiliate marketing. There was no affiliate guy podcast. There's no books about it. There was no courses about it like we have now. I mean, there's nothing. So I just kind of had to figure it out. And over that weekend, I got on, got on right away and I messaged our developer who was overseas in Europe. And I said, hey, I can't pay you to create this, but I need you to create an affiliate system. I can't pay you, but what I'll do is I'll share a percentage. I'll share a percentage with you over the next, you know, five years. Uh, ended up being a good thing for him because normally we would have paid him about a thousand dollars or something like that, and he ended up making about one hundred and fifty thousand dollars by taking a risk on us. I said, "Can you build this platform?" He built it by Sunday night. Uh, by Monday, I had my first couple of affiliates. I still remember that I was texting with my, my friend who was the CEO. I was texting with him last night about this because there's a guy that plays basketball for the University of Alabama named Brandon Miller, and that was the name of our first affiliate, Brandon Miller from Western North Carolina. I, he called me up. He Hey, Matt, it's Brandon. He'd call me up and just say, hey, Matt, it's Brandon. I got a question for you. And, um, you know, Brandon was our first affiliate. Made like $200 in his first month. You know, not our first week. Not a huge amount. But, okay, we made a little bit of money and we got some more. We got a guy named Lev Berinsky who was, he was a hot dog salesman outside of Ohio State's football stadium. But he also had an online website and uh, an online platform about, you know, the insurance industry, which is what we were in. And I got him and he made like, you know, $400 this first week. And I got affiliate after affiliate. And I just worked my butt off day and night. Now I was single. Admittedly, I was single and I'm in my mid twenties. So I worked 17, 18 hours a day that whole week. I did not go to a cookout on Memorial day. I did not, I didn't see another person. You know, I, I literally just hold up in the office all week. And by the end of those two weeks, we made just enough money to cover payroll. 
fast forward about 18 months later, we're doing over a million dollars a month from our affiliate program. And the rest, as they say, is kind of history. But it started out with just trying to figure it out, you know, and then we we got into doing affiliate marketing ourselves. And we we had, you know, back-end offers like our customers. We would sell them other things as an affiliate, things that we didn't offer. We, We were strictly in the insurance space. But we knew something about people who applied for homeowners insurance. They told us, was this a new purchase or not? So what do you do if you're thinking about purchasing a home? Well, you might need a mortgage. So we could recommend mortgage companies. If you have a car, you know, there were certain things that you might be interested in for your car. And so we started doing affiliate marketing, recommending other people's products and, and, and making millions from that every year. Um, so it became a huge part of our business, basically kept us afloat for, for you know, those six months or so. Then after that, uh, you know, it was all systems go. It, it sounds to me when you have these inspirations, when they just kind of come out of nowhere, yeah, they may come because you're panicked, you need money, you're really looking, searching, asking for an answer. But when those answers come, I tend to call those what I call God winks. They're coming from somewhere. Yeah. But if you they are, and I think say, also, okay, let me do this and you go do it, good mm. things tend to happen. Yeah. I think also, Denise, the, the thing is, like, the idea for affiliates had been there for weeks before, before even. But the desperation and necessity is what forced me to finally go, okay, i got to figure this out. You know, a lot of times, I'll, I'll give you a great example. This happens in our lives, you know, lives. Um, you know, we, we had a situation in our business recently. Uh, I won't get into the specifics and whatnot, but it was basically something that we had been talking about and talking about and talking about. And there was just disagreement, you know, amongst the leadership team, we were kind of 50, 50 split about whether or not to do this particular thing. And it wasn't, it wasn't a massive like fundamental shift in the way we operate or anything, but it was a pretty big decision. And then we hit a point where it was like, okay, there are some problems that we need to address and we've got to address them somehow and one of the solutions is to take action on this thing that, you know, so my wife and I were on opposing sides. My wife is my, is our CFO. Um, and she wanted to do it, you know, a certain way. And I'm like, no, I don't, I don't like it. I don't like it. Necessity is what finally forced us to go, okay, we need to do that. And the idea had been there for six months, but that like getting forced in that situation, sometimes it's an idea that you read in a book and, you know, you read something in a book in February, 2023, and you're in a certain place in life. You're in a different place in life in August of 2023. And that idea comes back to you. And so I totally agree with you. Sometimes we do get, you know, divine inspiration. And, and I'm a big believer in that. There, there are many ideas where I'm like, I, you know, this is not about religion or anything. But like personally, I just cannot attribute it to anything other than God. You know, I'm like, I don't know where that came from. I am not smart enough to come up with that on my own. What the heck just happened? And so I give credit to God. You know, that's just me. You yep. do whatever you want to. Other times, it's, again, it's something that's been ruminating in my mind for months or even years or an ancient idea, you know, that I read in a book four years ago. And I go, oh, my goodness, why didn't I do this four years ago when I first read about this? Why? Because I wasn't desperate. I didn't have to. And yeah, so sometimes that necessity just forces us to take actions we otherwise wouldn't take in, in a good way. I agree with you. Listen, when I get my God winks, I have learned to lift my hand from that keyboard, write it down, and then go outside and 
ground myself under my pecan trees and think about it. I don't ignore it. When I ignore it, mm. stuff happens that I don't really like. So, And it may be that the time is right for whatever that thought was. Maybe I just need to write it down and, as your word I love, ruminate on it. But I don't ignore them anymore. I used to. It's like, oh, I'm busy. I'll get back to that. Yeah, right. You <laughs> never get back to it because you forgot it. Nope. It's like going to your open refrigerator door syndrome. You you know, you wind up in the refrigerator, your body's stuck in there, you don't have a thought in your head. I call it a mini meditation. <laughs> but if you've forgotten about it, it may come back, it may not. Listen, we are we've only got about seven minutes and I'm probably going to have to get you to come back because you've got so much to share. Uh, would you be willing to come back in, you know, a couple, three months and kind of pick up where we're leaving yeah, I'm off? Happy to. Okay, happy great. To. You, I do that on the radio, so you can't tell me no. It's very tricky. But one of the things <laughs> that I, you, in the, the notes that I took when we had our pre-interview, it was how to stand out in a crowded and noisy marketplace of ideas, and it's getting noisier by the day. So how do yep. you get, how do you get noticed these days? How do you, I know you've got four proven ways to differentiate yourself. So if you've got time, yeah. can we talk about that? Yeah. Yeah, as we finish up here. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned it's never been, you know, it's 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 never been easier at any point in human history to get noticed. The correlation to that is it's never been harder to stand out. Under your, your three county region has ever heard of you. Now you can get on social media and people across the world. How how did somebody of uh, uh, how did Matt McWilliams? You know, I'm not a president. I'm not a, a diplomat. I'm not some sort of international leader. How would a doofus like me get noticed by people in 187 countries in a matter of 15 minutes 100 years ago or even 30 years ago? It didn't happen. So it's never been easier to get noticed, which means it's never been harder to stand out. And so number one way you stand out is your style and your personality. So this is your writing style, your speaking style, your physical appearance, your clothes, for me, it's my writing style. I don't write like I'm trying to write for my senior year English professor. I write for effect. I write for conversions. And I told the story of a guy named, you know, Chris Rock. Many of you have heard of him, the comedian. And so the guy pulled Chris off the stage one time. Like, okay, can you hear Chris, are, are you like this? In every... Yeah, I can hear you, Denise. Can you hear me? I, yeah, I can hear you now. You just cut out there for a little bit. So okay, keep going. Great. Oh, I said, you know, so they, somebody asked Chris Rock, you know, are, are you are you like this all the time? You know, and he's like, no, I'm not like this. I'm me. When I'm on stage, I'm me, but I'm three times me, three times me. I'm not lying about who I am. Do you think that when I'm with my family and we're talking about how their day was, at, you know, at soccer, that I'm like, oh, great. Our, you know, our daughter's name is Arsley. Like, Arsley, that's amazing. You know, I don't talk like that. But when I'm here and I'm passionate about what I'm talking about, I, I talk, you know, I'm three times me, right? I'm generally a passionate, energetic person, but I turn it up a little bit. And so that's the key is like express yourself in ways that stand out. Don't be boring. Be three times you. So I go through even ways like how to turn your liabilities into assets. You know, if you think about the, one of the examples I use in, in the book is Sylvester Stallone. You know, the iconic line, I know you don't watch movies, Denise, but, you know, the iconic line from Rocky is when he goes, yo, Adrian, you know, that line wouldn't have been iconic if he'd been like, yo, Adrian. It was iconic because he slurs his speech a little bit. It's the result of paralysis on the left side of his face because 
he they when they reached in to get him with forceps when he was being born, they paralyzed the left side of his face. That liability became an asset. You know, my friend Darren Sargent doesn't have an arm. He's missing an arm. That stands out. Joaquin Phoenix, the actor with the cleft lips, Peter Falk with the squint, all came because his eye was removed when he was three. You know, and so those things, think about ways to turn those into assets and stand out with that. Uh, your experience. So if you've got degrees, talk about them. If you've got awards, talk about them. If you've worked at famous places, talk about it. There are, there are dozens of authors. Their entire pedigree is basically the fact that they worked for Google or Apple. Well, then if you, if you were one of the first employees at Google, use that, use that, you know, my client list, Tony Robbins, Jeff Walker, Dean Graziosi, uh, Michael Hyatt, Lewis Howells, Shark Tanks, Kevin Harrington, Shutterfly, Adidas, the list goes on and on. Like that's my client list. I talk about that frequently because it's a way of standing out four-time affiliate manager of the year, things like that. Even your lack of experience can be an advantage. When I ran for school board when I was 22 years old, I used the fact that I had no experience as my advantage because I was more relatable to the kids. Uh, your personal background. So this is your story. You know, this is more personal than your pedigree or your experience. Like, you know, I had a single mom until I was nine. I grew up in trailer parks, uh, small apartments. I had childhood epilepsy. I moved 13 times in 14 years. Then I moved to live with my dad right when his career took off and I traveled the country playing golf. I was a division one athlete. I joke like I've never been middle class. I grew up with a single mom who never made more than about $30,000 a year. And then I moved to live with my dad right when his career took off and he was making six figures. I have been poor, been wealthy. I've actually spent less than 5% of my life in the middle class. That's a unique experience. And so it gives me a different perspective on how I see money. And then the last way you can stand out is your method. You know, the way that you get your message out. Are you going to do a podcast or blog post or videos? If you do a podcast, is it going to be interview based or is it going to be a solo show? Um, are you going to do like short, frequent content or less frequent, but longer form, you know, content? Are you going to sell physical products or offer digital products? Are you going to teach a specific system? Are you going to have a system that you call something, you know, like the ask method or like product launch formula or find affiliates now, which we have, you know, what are the ways that you can stand out? Those are four ways uh, in a very crowded, noisy marketplace that you can stand out. But what I'm hearing from you, Matt, is that everything you do comes from the notion that you need to help other people. Yes, you're making money. Yes, your business is doing well. But my gut feeling is that from your heart, you really want to help other people, people, companies, you know, corporations. You want to help. Is that wrong? Am I far off? For me, for me it's one thing. Uh, I find people who are in a situation that I've been and I solve their problems, you know, and that's how I help. Uh, I can't, I, as much as I want to, I can't help you if you want to be a better gardener. I can't help you <laughs> if you want to be a better parent. I can't right. help you if you want to lose weight. I can't help you if you want to quit smoking. I can't help you if you want to dunk a basketball. All right, these are things that, although I did dunk a basketball when I was in college a few times, but that was, that was the last time. Um, <laughs> you know, these are things, I can't help you if your computer's broken. There are people out there who can help you with those things. What I can help you with, and this is one of the things, I can help you start an online business. I can, I can help people who are struggling to even just identify what they're passionate about or they don't think they're qualified. Uh, I, I forget the lady's name that I said earlier, but the one who texted me, you know, those are the people that I can help. Why? Because I've been there. I know the way out. It's like the old, there's an old analogy. Uh, you know, the, 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 there's a guy like down in a pit 
and uh, or he's you know this, this priest walks by and sees a guy down in a pit, and the priest jumps in with him, and the guy's like, "Why would you do that?" He's like, "Cause I've been here, and I know the way out." That that's all it is. That's all. That's what I do is help people who've been in those same situations, and I help them out of that pit. And sometimes it's not a deep dark pit. Sometimes it's just frustration, or you right. have a goal that you're not achieving, and I help you get there. I love that. I just wrote that down. Um, before I let you go, is there anything else you'd like to share with the audience? You know, Denise, I mean, obviously, grab the book. <laughs> you know, there, there's so much more in there, and I know we'll talk about it probably next time. Uh, you can get the book anywhere, uh, Amazon, Barnes & Noble. Uh, it's in stores, so you might even um, – I've been in numerous stores and got to see the book, which is kind of cool. You know, uh, right now it's front and center, you know, up at the very front. But the best place to get it, uh, passions, I said it earlier, passionsintoprofitsbook.com forward slash Denise. Uh, when you go there, we've got over $500 in extra bonuses uh, for your listeners, Denise. So that's the best place to get it because they're going to get all those bonuses. Again, yeah, you can, if you walk into Barnes & Noble, grab a copy. That's great. But then go to that URL and submit your receipt and you'll be able to get those bonuses. So just make sure you go through through that URL at some point. Thank you. That is really kind of you. Matt, thank you so much, and I definitely want you to come back. And it has been wonderful speaking with you, and I really thank you for all of the terrific tips and the advice that you've shared with our audience. And before we say goodbye, I would like to remind our audience to be sure and look for us on iTunes and anywhere else you consume your business podcasts. The truth is you can't throw a stick on the Internet without hitting your partner in Success Radio. So find us and take us along on your success journey. And quickly, tell people where to find your podcast before I let you go. I guess he's gone. Okay, well, thank you so much, everybody, for being here with us. And I will end this now and go find him. Seriously. Get your voice heard. If you would like to launch your own far-reaching podcast, contact Denise Griffiths at yourofficeontheweb.com and go to the podcast tab. 